Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wani Gold Talk podcast here on Cleveland.com. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. Normally, it's just the two of us, and we kind of go back and forth talking about the Cavs, what's happening with the team, some of the signings that they're going to make, uh, some of the rumors surrounding the team. But today, we're doing something a little bit special because it's the offseason, and there's not really much happening when it comes to the Cavs. We're recording this on a Monday just after 4 o'clock Eastern time. What's up, Joe? How are you, buddy? I'm doing just fine. I'm, I'm recording this outside today, outside my house in Bay Village, where the humidity <laughs> is like 107. Uh, so I'll be showering after this. <laughs> okay, so, so explain to people what we have going on today, since it's a little bit different than what we usually do for the Wanting Gold Talk podcast. Well, um, I don't know if you heard, but LeBron chose the Lakers uh, instead of the Cavs this summer. And so this is, uh, I think, really, I, I think this is the official um, handing of the baton from uh, Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer to our esteemed colleagues uh, at the Los Angeles Times, who were so gracious uh, with their time. One of them, who we're about to introduce, actually got on a plane and flew back to Los Angeles today just to do this podcast. Whoa! Uh, yes, uh, and this person is the, uh, well, she's me. Uh, so good luck the next four years, Tanya. Uh, we've got a uh, Laker Beat reporter, uh, Tanya Ganguly. Welcome, welcome. Thank and, you. Uh, and also... Um, L.A. Times, uh, jack of all trades, really, but NBA reporter Dan Wojcicki, uh, who is also on. Hey. Both. Hey, Joe, I think it'd be really good radio if you did the podcast today while in the shower. You could just do them both at the same time. <laughs> yes. yes, do the podcast and shave all without a mirror. It'll be great. Um, Make some history. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, right. So, um, you know, you guys have just – kind of begun this uh this whole thing of having to cover lebron and um i was i was thinking about this at the uh, when putting this together yesterday that when lebron came home it, it was such a big deal for cleveland and um when he came home he was an international superstar at that point certainly bigger than when he had left um but in la you know, he's. This is not you guys' first rodeo for for superstars and international superstars, and and really, you just got done with one with, with Kobe. So, from your perspective, um, how big of a deal is this, LeBron going to the Lakers and and playing in in your market? You know, I think like I've been actually kind because of, I assumed that the the city and the 
you know, the surrounding areas that everybody would be so used to stars and celebrities that it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but it's been huge. I mean, he's, he has probably heard stories about the, you know, the, the, his kids' AAU game that had to be shut down, like things like that, that because there's just so much excitement. Um, I think there's just a different level of excitement about the Lakers in this town and when there's the possibility that they're going to be good. Uh, because this, I've, I've only covered the team since I've covered, I've only covered the post Kobe Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never got to see what it was, the craziness that surrounded this team, when it was good, when it was relevant, but I've heard stories and I think, you know, it's cause it, cause it's in this town, even like celebrities are Laker fans, you know, there's people, all the power brokers in the city get really into it when the Lakers are good. And, um, you know, in theory, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, Tanya, that's a really good point. That's what I was going to say is that I think, you know, you can be famous um, all over the world, but like when you're famous among famous people, mm-hmm. it, it almost like magnifies it, right? It, it, it's sort of like being famous to like the second degree or the third degree. And, and I think, you know, seeing it in Los Angeles, seeing it a little bit around Kobe, the times I was around Kobe, um, and then even like into a, you know, this is like a way lesser degree, you know, like the first like couple of years when like the Clippers were a big deal with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, and this is nowhere near that. But, you know, when you'd see Rihanna come out to sit courtside and you'd see, you know, Beyonce walking around the press room, like it became like pretty regular that these types of people were there for big games. What I think is different about LeBron is it feels like every day is a big game and everything he does is a big deal. The LeBroniverse is huge. And it's one of those things. Has anybody ever said LeBroniverse? Is that am I coining that right now? That's really good. I think that I think that's yours now, Dan. Now, if you okay. had, Dan, yeah. if you had said that in the shower, then you really would have made this. <laughs> yeah. So I think the LeBroniverse is like one of those things where, yeah, it, it does kind of requ- it requires its own orbit. It, it's its own thing. And when you put you know people like I, I don't know when you put like Jack Nicholson in the mix when you put you know, you know Jay-Z is going to be at a ton of Laker games. When you see these people that are going to be there day in and day out, there's just something different, I think, in the city about – and it's different than being a famous Dodger. It's different than being a famous running back at USC or anything else. Um, when you're a famous Laker, you're really, really famous in this town. How is he like going more, to be- Even maybe more so than movie star famous. How is he going to be accepted, though? Because you've got the, the iconic Kobe Bryant there. Everybody loved him. Magic Johnson, Kareem, Will, the list goes on and on and on from Lakers greats of the past, and Shaq included there too. How is LeBron going to be accepted there Like when you look at it in comparison to some of the previous greats? I mean, it's all going to depend on how much he wins. If he, win a title with, if, he, if he wins a title with the Lakers, then that changes everything. Um, yeah. If he doesn't, then, you know, I, it was funny, like I, I did a bunch of stories about LeBron, like the possibility of LeBron becoming a Laker and what it would mean for his legacy mm-hmm. during the season last year. Um, and I talked to someone who was like a sports, sports like some sort of sports-related professor in the, like some, some sort of sports-related academic field. And he, he was saying that like, this is a, like coming to the Lakers is a risk, a big risk for his legacy because, you know, it's, like if he, if he, the only way for him to inc- improve his legacy by being a Laker is to win a championship. Mm. Like if he comes and he doesn't win a championship, then he's, you know, he doesn't rank with the greatest Lakers. I mean, he's, he's probably the greatest player who's ever put on a Laker jersey at this point. But like he, you know, 
can he become a great Laker? That you have to win a championship for that. I mean, I think like the and Kobe fandom is so strange in the sense that like because he was compared to Michael Jordan so closely, and like Kobe fans be like got backed into this crazy corner where it's like you're arguing whether or not this guy's the best shooting guard ever and stuff like that, and, and then that kind of spun forwards with like arguments about LeBron um, sure. as their careers kind of intersected. Um, so people have been are like what's the, to me what's what, what's unique is that a big portion of Laker fans have spent a bunch of time arguing against LeBron James yeah. for years. Right. And, and it, that's what is kind of this unique thing. And then you add in the mix that LeBron is one of those like institutions. I wrote a story about this. Um, I interviewed uh, Derwin James. I, I'm sorry. It wasn't an interview. I was just having a conversation with him uh, the day after he got drafted. And he's in the back of a room at the, at the Chargers practice facility, kind of shooting like, you know, wadded up papers at a trash can, like kind of mimicking, you know, jab steps and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, you're a basketball fan. Like, who's your favorite team? And he goes, LeBron James. <laughs> and I think that, that there's uh, there's definitely people like that, too, who – so you, you have, like, this weird sort of mix of people that, have all, that are all converging to, like, kind of do this together. Um, and I think that's what's going to be really fun to watch, like, the reaction to it is, like, you've got people who have, like, vehemently hated LeBron mm -hmm. because – um, you know, he wasn't Kobe. Um, and, and I think so, like, those people are still coming to grips with it. Um, I think you've got then this other mix of people that are going to come on board that are, like, you know, openly cheering for one player more than the team. And it's like, you know, like, you can call me a bandwagon person, but, like, they don't care. They're, you know, they're driving it. Mm -hmm. And then you've got these Laker fans who've suffered the last, you know, half decade watching pretty dreadful basketball just to where just, you know, so excited to be relevant um, and, and, and the way that they're so used to. So, I think it's a really fun mix of kind of different forces combining to, to watch this team that adds another layer of to, to the story this year. OP fans are so us versus them too. And this, this goes back like to when Shaq was here, that it was very like, whose side are you on? That mm. there was that kind of, so that's, that'll be interesting to see for sure. Well, uh, it's a lot different uh, certainly than, it was for LeBron here in Cleveland. I, I guess if there were sides, it would be, are you on LeBron's side or, or, or Dan's side, uh, the, the owner? But uh, it's pretty much, I mean, LeBron, the, this team went as LeBron did, and I think at some point um, that's how it will be with the Lakers. Too. I mean, he's obviously their best player by, uh, by leaps and bounds. It'll, it'll, just, it'll be interesting to see. Um, if this team ends up kind of molding in the way that the Cavs did where LeBron is kind of the center of the universe and, and everything evolves around him or if they will eventually um, bring in somebody to kind of balance that out. But those are conversations for another day. When, when, when LeBron came back, um, they didn't have any Cavs beat writers. Um, you know, I think uh, Mary Schmidt-Boyer had announced that she was leaving Right. Um, and uh, so they, they had this big hiring, you know, they, this big search, and they ended up hiring Chris Haynes to cover the team, and they hired me uh, to cover LeBron specifically, which almost had never been done before. Uh, maybe once had been done with Michael, maybe. Um, but I'm very unique in, in sport, American sports writing. And then Chris Fedor, uh, our co-host here, esteemed co-host, was, was, was kind of um, – I, I, you would say like Haynes backup, but also like just like he would do things that the that the two of us couldn't get to. He was um, 
it's, it was just, it was kind of like a three man team, I guess. Right. You would say. And, um, that's how it was through the championship year. And then, uh, the other Chris left us to go to ESPN and, um, we, we dropped the LeBron only guy and, uh, I slid into Chris's seat and Fedor just kind of became, you know, he kind of, I don't know if you would say moved up a chair. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it was just, now it was what was a three person job, you know, fell to us. And so, uh, I know there is some double super secret probation stuff going on at the LA Times that we absolutely <laughs> cannot discuss. Uh, but what you guys can say, how are you, how is the paper reacting to LeBron coming? What, what, how are you guys going to cover this story? Well, it's, it, it kind of has been like fortuitous timing for us. I think you'd agree with that, Dan. Like, we're, yeah, 100%. LeBron is coming to the, to the Lakers at a time when the LA Times, like, I have, I have never worked at a place where I've been this optimistic. And I worked, I worked at ESPN, and I worked at several newspapers. Like, I've never worked at a place that was talking about expanding and growing and what can we do that's going to be cool and new and how can we make an impact in the, you know, nationally, locally, everything. So, like, we're, we just had an ownership change. Um, Patrick Soon-Chiang, who's actually, he's a, He's, he's got a very small minority of the Lakers, um, but he's, you know, he bought the, the LA Times from Trunk, and he's just very interested in spending money to, in order to invest in the product. And so we're able, we've been able recently to make some hires to sort of fatten up, because for the last two years, we only had two people covering the NBA, and it was, I mean, you know, Dan would help out when he could, like, you know, there were, there were some, like, you know, a lot of moving parts, uh, but it was tough. I mean, I didn't have a backup, and neither did our Clippers writer, Brad Turner. Um, and so that's that's all changing, and it's really a really, really good thing for us right now that it's changing because LeBron is definitely – I mean, I've I've written a lot more this summer than I ever had before just because I'm writing LeBron stuff. Like, I've been – I spent a lot of time in Ohio, in, in your lovely <laughs> part of the country. <laughs> one, of the, one of the perks of the job, right, Tana? Yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's one of those things too. I mean, you know, I, I feel like, like Tiny said, like this expansion and even into the NBA in general, I think it also times at a time when people, um, editors and, and are looking and they see the, the way that basketball is talked about in places and non-traditional mediums. Like they see, you know, the success that basketball podcasts have. They see the success that the way, um, you know, basketball is, kind of made Twitter its own thing um, differently than all other sports have. Um, they see all of these different things. And I think they're, I think we were planning to move in a more basketball centric direction anyways, or centric is maybe not the right word, but you know, to definitely put more weight behind our NBA coverage. Mm. And then you add in the fact that the biggest star in the world is now playing on a team, um, you know, that's the biggest, probably the biggest team in the world in terms of, you know, superstardom. Like, yeah, that's, it's going to be a focal point of coverage. And I, I think it's exciting that, you know, people like Tanya, uh, people like Bill Plaschke are going to like, and, and Brad Turner are going to have these opportunities to write about him all the time. And I think what it also does is it opens the door to the league as a whole too, that, you know, it's not just interest in LeBron because you, now you have to contextualize what LeBron and the Lakers mean, you know, in a world where the Warriors Right. are the dominant force that they are in a world where the Houston Rockets are, you know, have all LeBron's buddies on the team. You know what I mean? And all these different things, it doesn't always have to be about LeBron, but I think in the sense that it's just, you know, it, it speaks to more of a, 
a, a renewed um, interest in the NBA as a whole in the city. I think, you know, I'm, I'm in a unique position where I can discuss it because, you know, I was there when the Clippers were the, the best team and people weren't as interested as ba- in basketball when the Lakers were losing here. I mean, this is, it's just, that's a fact um, that there weren't a lot of people that wanted to spend a lot of time talking Clippers because the Clippers aren't nearly as popular, even when they were wildly good. It didn't matter. Um, I don't think the Lakers even have to be wildly good to, to get people excited. I think that this is a team, whether they win, you know, 40 games or, or 60 games that people are going to want to talk about on a daily basis. Well, it's interesting. Um, and, and I think that this will be true for most of the rest of LeBron's career that any team he's on, every other story about that team is yep. more important because he's there. Yep. Sure. Um, and then he's a magnifier, definitely. because he's there, um, almost no matter what else is happening with the Lakers, uh, whether it's a big injury, a big trade, a fight in the locker room, you know, someone tells Walton to piss off, they fire, whatever. Um, aside from all that, LeBron, whatever LeBron did or said that day still matters. Um, and that, I mean, you know, especially our last two years, like I, I had written LeBron so much those first two years that when I came into this job, uh, I, I still felt like, I should be writing like LeBron was my primary focus, but then I got to a point where I had written it so much that Chris ended up writing a lot of Chris yeah. Fedor. Yeah, you got you, you got LeBron. You got LeBron exhausted. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I screwed it up. <laughs> and so I want. So I'm interested. Whoever's laughing, don't encourage Dan with that pun. I, I, I'm <laughs> you know, by the way, the, the last time I I saw Dan, he was uh, taking a an old fashioned Las Vegas casino for all they're worth. Um, I, I can't remember which one we were in. This was during summer league, but he he had uh, to was it at Binions, I think. We think we were at Binions. I I don't know, but they I think they had to close their doors when you were done with them. At the, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I, I I left with a I left with like seventy extra dollars in my pocket. It was a big night. That's very good, very good. But 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 I, what I did want to know is from from Tanya's perspective, um, how you how you have thought about approaching the beat now, um, with with LeBron there and just and like. Kind of taken what I've said. I know we've talked about this a little bit away from from mediums like this, um, but just how how you feel about it, like how how you look at your beat now with LeBron there, and how you juggle LeBron versus the rest of the team, and and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, like I I definitely feel like I have to be conscious of the fact that you don't want to be too LeBron heavy, but it's so we had this. Last year, there was when Lonzo first came to the Lakers, um, there was a lot of interest in him, and there was a big focus. You know, I felt like I could never write enough Lonzo. Like, people would read it. He got a tattoo, and it did, like, crazy page mm-hmm. views. Um, like, people, re- people want to know things about Lonzo, good and bad. Like, there were plenty of people who didn't like him, and same is going to be true with LeBron. I mean, LeBron's on a completely different stratosphere, but I felt like – I felt always like I hadn't – like there were still, there's still more to mine there with Lonzo, like throughout the year, like I wasn't getting sick. The only thing I got sick of writing about was like his shooting. Cause I was like, I, I'm de- like, there came a point in the season where I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. He can. And then he would go and like do something dramatic in one direction or another and I'd have to write it again. Um, but I think, I just think like it's a fun challenge to have someone on your team that, that is, has been written about so much 
that it's really difficult to find something new to say about him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that's like, you want to be challenged. Like you don't want your job to be too easy. Um, and so, so like, I, I think that's going to be a really fun challenge, but, but one thing that's going to be really new for me is like, I don't think I've ever been on a team that's going to have as many eyes on it. I don't think I've ever covered a team that's going to have as many eyes on it as the Lakers this year. So you're right. Like every little thing, every little bit of gossip that somebody gets, um, is going to be a much bigger deal than it has been in the past. So it's going to hey, make- Can I ask you guys a question along these lines? I'm sorry to interrupt, Johnny. Did, like you mentioned kind of the fatigue with that. It, it, professionally, was that, did that get boring, Joe and Chris, to like, you know, well, like, we got to ask LeBron about this. We got to, you know, you know what I mean? And, and have that kind of drive content that much? Yeah. Uh, in, in a way, like, Le- LeBron didn't get boring. And it, it just so, you know, this year was by far his best and most interesting year um, as a player. Um, And so every night that he was out there, he was either totally dominant in a way he hadn't been in in the regular season in years, or he was openly pouting about Tanya's friend, Isaiah Thomas, um, which was, which was fun. But, but there, there were a couple of, of storylines I thought that had kind of run, their right. course um, that, that did get tiresome. And uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I think so. What do you think, Chris? No, I thought it was a challenge, and I think that's a good point, Dan. I think um, the thing that I noticed towards the second part of LeBron's tenure here was that people just didn't care about the regular season at all, and they didn't care about the game itself and the result of a game unless it was against the Golden State Warriors on Christmas Day or Martin Luther King Day. It was about the other stuff. They wanted to know uh, players that the Cavs could potentially acquire. It was always kind of like pushed towards the big picture with this team. And the regular season took a back seat. And, and for me, I felt like that, in a way, kind of got monotonous because there were only so many things that you could write about LeBron. There were only so many things that you could write about like the other guys on the team that, that it did become a challenge because if you focused on the things that you focused on in the first couple of years, it probably got tiresome to you and it probably got tiresome to the reader. So you had to figure out different things that people would care about that weren't game related because they just didn't well, care about yeah. the season. And what I think will be interesting this year, and I mean, this is probably more like X and O basketball stuff and Tani can speak to this, but I mean, the Lakers aren't going to win the title this year, right? I mean, that's not the realistic expectation. And, and it's been a long time since LeBron has been in that situation. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. And I wonder. You know, you mentioned how much, how much of the the, the conversation last year was driven towards. And this is a lot of his legacy, right? Is is kind of tied to winning and tied to you know going to the finals and and always being there at the end and and having a chance to play for it all. Like the odds of that happening this year are long. You know, especially with the roster as currently constructed. I I think that's going to be interesting. And, you know, and I don't know if Tanya, if you're excited about that, or if that's crossed your mind, that is sort of like, this is like kind of new territory for him, like territory he hasn't been in in like a decade. Right. It was so yeah. interesting because I think like with the Cavs, it was kind of, okay, which team could prevent them from winning a championship? And it wasn't anything about the Eastern Conference or what, what team's going to threaten them in the Eastern Conference. It was basically fans' expectation and the way that the team was conducting itself it was almost a foregone conclusion that they were going to be in the NBA finals. It was just a matter of which team were they going to yeah. be in the finals. Well, yeah, yeah, he's going to have to be really good this year to make the playoffs. Yeah. 
What do you guys what do you guys think? Do you think there's do you think there's any chance that the Lakers with LeBron as they're constructed right now, any chance that they miss the playoffs? No. Not not no. only will they not miss the playoffs, but they will be a uh, a factor in in the Western Conference Finals, probably beating any team other than the Warriors and it'll probably wow. it'll matter it, so that's <laughs> that's why it'll it'll just matter when they play them. Um so they've got to be they've got to pay attention during the regular season. I just, I, you know, Chris and I think the Lakers now are better than the Cavs were last year. We've established that on, on previous podcasts and LeBron is just, he's just that good. And he's just, I mean, he's, he's in his prime. He's still in his prime. Um, I don't think there's any, I, I just, I don't think even if there's a little bit of a drop off this year, it, it can't be so dramatic from what he did last year that, that he right. wouldn't, have that kind of impact and when he cares he's just absurdly hard to beat i i and i just i don't see anybody other than the, other than the warriors doing it what about houston? go ahead tanya what about houston no good lord no you kidding me <laughs> that i mean the, 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 so the, by that idea. they they well i i mean i'm i remain uh by what they did in game seven of the Western conference finals last year. And that just, that told me something. And yes, it, they, they were dealing with some major, um, major, you know, problems with, without Chris Paul. I, I agree. Yeah, their second best player wasn't there. Yeah. yeah and, and had he been there, maybe he would have prevented this, but that, that one, that, what was it? Zero of 27 from three with a lead. On, <laughs> that was that? incredible. That speaks I was to there for that. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean that's something different, guys. That's not X's and O's. That's that that's a character right. issue. And I just like LeBron, if LeBron were in that position, he would not have allowed that to happen. Um, like I'll I'll put it this way. So um the Cavs dealt with a ton last year during the regular season and then going into the playoffs, I think there are a lot of questions about what can this team do in the playoffs? And I think a lot of people looked at it and said no result would surprise me. If they got to the finals, that wouldn't surprise me because it's LeBron and he's going to find a way to get the team to the finals. If they lose in the first round, that wouldn't be surprising either because they've dealt with so much uh, throughout the course of the regular season. In saying that, like, I-, I felt like if the Cavs would have gotten to the finals against the Rockets, as flawed as the Cavs were, that they would have found a way to win that series. Like, the one team that I thought, as flawed as the Cavs were, that were going to beat the Cavs in a seven-game series in the finals was the Golden State Warriors. Because that's just the level of respect that I have for LeBron and the kind of impact that he makes on every single play throughout 40, 48 minutes of a game. Well, and I, I think, you know, I think you kind of hit on something there, too, like, subliminally, which is sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's not just him, too. It's like, you know, he, like, raises the sea level for everyone around him. And I think that's kind of one of the fun things to watch for this year with this Lakers is like, it's a group of team that like, we don't know how good Lonzo ball is going to be. We don't know how good Brandon Ingram is going to be. And we don't know how good Josh Hart or Kyle Kuzma, you know, are, are going to be. Um, I think I have a good idea how good JaVale McGee is going to be. And I think I have a decent idea how good Lance Stevenson is going to be. But like those guys, uh, you, know, you know, they're young players. I think watching how they kind of interact with LeBron, because this is, you know, this is a new situation for him. Like the, the last time he had an opportunity to play with like a young player with Brandon Ingram's ceiling, you know, they traded him for Kevin Love. Um, yeah. you, you know, so that to me, that's what's going to be really interesting to see is like how does he, how does like kind of 
a not only the his greatness kind of rub off on those guys, but how do how do like he's demanding too, right? And, and this is a guy who is used to winning and is used to being in that that championship conversation, like you said, where kind of his greatness alone could carry a team, um, you know, to, to win an NBA Finals. What's that going to be like when, you know, now you're looking at a bunch of 21-year-olds and 22-year-olds who, you know, haven't been in a winning situation um, in, in the NBA, and, and now you're expected to kind of you, – you go from zero to 60. Yep. You know, are they going to get car sick? Like, like I, and I'm, I'm really curious because, be, again, it's gonna be so, I see well, – It's going to be so fascinating to see how the young guys handle all of this because right. – they have, not, they have not, like, they have not been in this kind of situation before. They have not had somebody come in and tell them what to do. Um, I mean, coaches aside, but but Luke has a, a very, like, collaborative sort of philosophy in terms of coaching. Um, they haven't had a teammate who's – I mean, I, the, the only guy over the last couple of years is Corey Brewer was a guy that, like, he would go in and he would yell at them. He would hold them accountable. He was the guy that Luke always said, this is – this is who we need to – he'll get after the guys if we need it. Um, they just haven't had that kind of – they haven't dealt with that kind of leadership style mm. very much. So yeah, it's really and it's so different. And, like, your credibility is so different coming from a LeBron James than it is from a Corey Absolutely. Brewer, too. Like, that is – that is just like – you know, that is a crazy dichotomy. I, I, I think the one thing that Lakers have – going for them um and at least in the time that i've spent around them you know uh, tanya what was it like eight or nine games or something like that last year i think probably in that range um and is that josh hart seems like a grown-up brandon ingram seems like a guy who can kind of handle situations and, and honestly for all the garbage and like for like the craziness that comes around lonzo ball like he seems to be moderately focused as well and and, and at least like in my dealings with him and, and also i think is a, is a, a really fun pairing for LeBron James in the sense that, you know, LeBron gets to play with someone who wants to get him the ball in like really fun situations. And, and a guy, you know, who is a terrific passer, who's a terrific rebounder, who can take a little bit of that load off um, that, you know, LeBron has had to carry so much. LeBron has always had to be like, you, you know, the, the best all around player. And he absolutely still will be by a lot, but Lonzo Ball's a, like a great rebounder um and i feel like he's going to be a great rebounder his whole career from this position lots of balls a great passer and I, I you know for all of the other flaws in this game like those are things that i think lebron can do and if that gives him three to five percent more energy to, to score the basketball or to play defense or something like that i think you know the, the, the lakers will be better for it and we need to have this conversation you keep forgetting sorry i was gonna say dan you keep forgetting kyle kuzma who, kyle who kuzma. actually yeah who right. seems like the toughest of them all, too. As soon as LeBron saw, as soon as LeBron agreed to become a Laker, Kyle called him. Yeah. Like none of those yeah. other young guys did that. So th- that's going to be I, like he's already taken the initiative to be um, to sort of learn from him. I guess he could. Say. And it's funny. I think the reason why I don't even mention him is, is like because like you're right. He might seem the most ready for the moment because he plays the least scared out of all of them. I mean, I think you saw that last year and kind of how quickly he was willing to just come in and just fire right like he was super willing to to have to be the guy on a team on a young team and 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 to take on all that responsibility so yeah i mean i think they have like these interesting pieces that all seem to make some sense i think the rest watching lebron interact with the rest of the roster and you have to feel like and tanya you maybe you could speak to this better than i could 
um, you know, kind of his influence on personnel decisions on the rest of the team. It's if, if this is his thinking, it's interesting. Like it seems like there's an interesting cocktail of personalities on this roster. What I want to say next, I've been, I've been trying to think this through because everything you guys have just said sounds like people who have, who are reasoned, who have covered the league and, and, you know, understands that there's 15 players on a team and that uh, a team, some of its parts. And if, so I I think the most respectful way I can say this is if (laughs) what happens out there is anything like what happened here over four years, then everything you guys just said is completely wrong and misguided. The, 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 yeah, that it, none of it matters, right? Because it's, it's not going to be yes. interesting, right. like how Kuzma does or how Ball does. No. I mean, yeah, like it's kind of interesting. But what will be interesting is when LeBron gets so pissed off at Lonzo that he takes himself out during a game without a whistle right. and sits on the bench, gets a technical foul for it, and then after the game says that he blew a casket, not a gasket, <laughs> <laughs> um, or when LeBron. Um, tired of Josh Hart uh, missing threes in the yeah. corner, um, pulls uh, Tanya and, and Dan and uh, our good friend Dave McManaman aside in, I don't know, Utah one night and proceeds to rip Magic Johnson's ass from top to bottom yeah. over uh, a failure this past summer to, to build a roster. I mean, like we're all acting in this conversation like LeBron because he's, you know, he's the best player in the game or whatever, like always behaves as though he's the former MVP and former champion and, and like an adult when he does not do that. Nope. Um, we, we were talking about this on the podcast last week. Uh, and, and it's true. Like I think the folks in LA just in general, not, not you guys, but LeBron's little, his little Instagram, um, kind of directed at Luke Walton about the playing center and he drew big arms on himself. Like people were thinking that's a joke. That's not a joke. That's, that's LeBron actually being passive aggressive to Luke about him wanting to play center. Like that's, that's LeBron. And right now he's like laughing about it while he draws the the muscles. But like, as things go along, like if things are going the way LeBron wants him to go, he, he, he lets it be known. So, but yeah, Which like, is, again, to me, so interesting about the situation he elected to put himself in, though, too. Right. Is because, this, you, you know what I mean, is that this, this is, like, Los Angeles is a long play. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you, you know what I mean? It, it yep. really still feels like it. And, and that's not, um, you know, a knock on his, his individual greatness, necessarily, because I, I do tend to agree that his individual greatness will, will keep any major disappointment for, off the table, that he's too good right. to, allow it, to allow a team to, to lose out on a playoff spot to the New Orleans Pelicans or something right. like that. Like, I just I can't imagine that. But, you know, he didn't go to a ready-made title situation. That, that's not what this is. This does feel like, at he least at a minimum, a two-year plan. What's his patience level? Yeah. I th- and I think that, like, what you said, Joe, is also part of, how do the kids handle it? And I don't, it's terrible. I don't like to call them kids, but that's kind of how LeBron will. That's okay. LeBron will. He <laughs> called Kyrie a kid the whole time he was here. But like he, like how, like how do they, how are they going to handle it? They've never had somebody right. who's been that demanding of them. And he, they're going to piss him off. at certain The bar. Time. 
<laughs> well, but even like Lonzo Ball, no, no one in LeBlanc, in in Lonzo Ball's life, literally no one, has treated him the way LeBron will treat him this year. Right. And you're right too, Tanya and Dan. Like it is not for everybody. Being a teammate of LeBron James is great. If you're a guy like Matthew Dellavedova and Timofey Mozgov, you cash in. You become a much better player. And everybody would say that everything that you. So have it's to good go- to be foreign, apparently, right? <laughs> it's good to be non non American role players really thrive with. Can we get Slava Medvedenko Med- back? Is that am I saying that right? I'll, I'll toss in another one, James Jones. It's great if you're James Jones. Okay. Like um, Sasha Pavlovich. Yeah, I mean, he loved Sasha the first time around, too. That's for sure. And he loved Anderson Verizhal the first time around. And Big Z. And Big Z. There you go. We're on to something, guys. We figured <laughs> this out. LeBron loves international players. This is his favorite style. They should sign Manu. And everybody would say that it's worth it playing with LeBron because of the things that come with it. But it is not for everybody. I think a lot of people forget, like, the team that the Cavs became the – the second half of the first year with LeBron is a lot different than the team that they started with. Like they overhauled that roster basically and transformed into a completely different team because it really wasn't working as well as a lot of people expected because the teammates that he chose to come here to play with in Cleveland weren't necessarily the right fit and couldn't handle all of the stuff that came with it. And I think Tanya did some really good reporting on this kind of, um, in the build-up to, like, the maybe will they, won't they with Kawhi Leonard about how kind of no one is really off the table right now on this roster. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what's interesting is, is that, you know, this is an organization that is, you know, held tight to their assets. Right. You know, whether it was their choice or, or, or not, um, they've hung on to them, you know, and, and I've been around teams, and, and obviously LeBron changes everything in, in, in terms of your timetable. But, like, you, you know, when you invest a number two pick, I mean, I guess, you know, D'Angelo Russell would be the exception, uh, you know, to this. But, like, when you invest a, a pick in somebody, like, it's hard to part ways with them. And they invested a lot of top picks on a lot of on the top part of this roster. Right. And, you know, you, they develop, you know, you develop feelings for these guys. And, and I think you, maybe sometimes you start to even overvalue your own pieces. So what will be interesting is if, if they get off to a slow start, like, how willing will the Lakers be and, and how willing will Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka be to pull the plug on Brandon Ingram if, if it's not working? Yeah, they, I mean, they didn't They didn't go into – they went into this summer thinking – they didn't want to do, make any rash decisions, but they did go into this summer thinking, like, if the right deal comes around, anyone's available. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't – I think the Lakers have always been a franchise – and, and they're still filled with people that have been around this team and that are part of the team's de- the franchise's DNA. They've always been a franchise that's willing to make dramatic changes if it means, you know, creating a, just creating a championship team. Um, they're not, they're the kind of team that's capable of doing that. Not every team can rely on free mm-hmm. and, tra- and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so right. I think that there's definitely a feeling in the organization that, like, that like you don't have to build with your young players through the draft. You just what, you don't. What, so if they started ten and twelve, Tana, you think that you think they would they would trade Lonzo and Ingram if that's what it took to like rebuild that they would move on that quickly, like a quarter of the way through the season. Um, maybe. I mean, depends on what you're getting back for them. You know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, but when we look at the kinds of trades that the Cavs have made in the past, you know, to get kind of established veterans to get. Mm-hmm 
the J.R. Smith, Amon Shepherds of the world to add to your rotation. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Are they, are they willing to make those kinds of moves? And, and I think it's fascinating because this is a new front office in that, in that sense. And it's like all of these new things we talk about, like, you know, the, Le- Oh, this is a good one. The LeBronification of everything. That's what happens is that, you, you know, all of these new questions get put on the table for an order. Like they've got to answer them too, because they were on one path. And as soon as you sign LeBron James, like, it's not like, it's not a slow merge. You know, it's like you throw the wheel totally the opposite direction. You start going a different path. Tanya, uh, can you describe the the very initial like thoughts and feelings you had when you when the Clutch Sports uh, press release hit your inbox at about eight oh three on on July first? Well, at five oh three West Coast. Five, yeah, I had just gotten back because um, I was about to go to summer league. Was it? I just gotten back from meeting my dog's um, dog sitter, and I happened to – I don't have alerts for clutch sports, which I probably should have done, but I do now, but I didn't at the time. And I just happened to be sitting at my computer on Twitter, and I was – and it came up. My first thought was, is this real? I think, yeah. Like, I think a lot of people went through that because I was like, I'm looking at it. I'm seeing what it says. I even got a call from the, our, our office – saying like ESPN's reporting LeBron has picked the Lakers. I was like, no, that's, they announced it. And like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think like, like one of the other guys on the beat texted me immediately. It was nice knowing you. And then uh, like, I got to like, I don't know. I, I didn't really have a lot of time to process it at that moment because I was just like my, the mode that I was in was like, I've got to get something written right now. Then just like, it happened late enough in the day that it's like, you're kind of scrambling to make sure that what you write for this, really huge I mean it's the biggest probably the biggest breaking news story that I've covered um Mm -hmm. that you want to give it the right context you want to you're making phone calls you want right information um so it was I mean I I kind of thought it could happen and I was I think I, I think I was excited about it because it's it's just such a different thing for me like I've never covered a star like this so yeah I think initially I was a little overwhelmed and then excited about, about sort of what was coming. What do you think about, um, I mean, when you think about the, the, the interest and not just reader interest, but like you're going to have more people on your beat than, than you've probably ever seen before. Um, is that, is that something that you think about? Is that something that'll take getting used to? And if it's not, then, then like going into this, like you're, you're at the start of this incredible journey and it, it will be incredible. Trust me. Um, but you're at the start of it. Like what, what are you worried about? What, what concerns you about these next few years? Getting divorced. I mean, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Dan. Um, I mean, like I, I, you're right. There's going to be so many more people around the team every day. Um, you know, it concerns, like having some balance in my life concerns me a little bit, but that's also like what we were talking about earlier. I was so, I had no help the last two years covering the Lakers and the Lakers have always been a team that draws attention. So, um, you know, that I think, I think in some ways it's going to be, it's the workload because I'm going to actually have, there's going to be more work. I'm actually going to have help now. It's not going to change that much. Um, you know, you're going to have to be a lot more, a lot more 
careful I think I'm going to have to be because everybody's going to pay attention to every little thing a lot more. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be harder. The beat's definitely going to be harder because, you know, ESPN's across the street. They hardly ever, they came, they would send like a big contingent when the Warriors were in town or when the Cavs were in town. Um, that's going to be every game now. It's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I think, I think one thing too, um, just from like, a, if we're going to like talk, like talk writer shop for a second, I think the one, the one fun kind of exciting thing too about LeBron and we've touched on this a little bit is like, I do think it opens up a lot of other opportunities for storytelling because when everybody's eyes are focused in one direction, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of other places you can go too, you know? And, and I think that's where having this bulked up staff is going to help that, you know, I'm sure that it'll happen at some point in the season where, you know, Tanya's going to have this amazing idea about something and it's going to, and it's going to be something totally out of left field that no one else is seeing because everybody's looking at LeBron and we're going to be able to have the resources now um, to, to cover the daily stuff that we need to on the LeBron front. And, but while everybody else is looking at LeBron and dug in there, you know, Tanya might read the best, might write the best Kyle Kuzma story you've ever read, you know? And, and, and I think that's kind of the fun, exciting part about it journalistically is like, yeah, like on one hand, like all the attention goes in one place and that's stressful, but that means there's all these other places where attention is now lessened. But you know, Joe, like, like there's going to be some great Lonzo Ball stories this year right? because of it. Right. You know? But Joe, you can kind of speak to this, I think, too. Did you ever feel beholden to LeBron and the stories about LeBron? And therefore, you felt like maybe there wasn't as much time for some of those things that Dan was talking about there? Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, you know, like my boss brought this up the other day and he wasn't, it, it, he wasn't even being critical. It, it just We were kind of talking about just starting to kick around what this season's going to look like. And he mentioned, he's like, you know, I, I don't remember the last time you sat down with the player and kind of did a takeout uh, on them. Um, and, you know, and he's like, and you didn't have time for it. Um, and, and I think that's true. I, I was kind of going back through and trying to remember and, uh, I guess tr- total truth be told, I didn't do them as much this year because I didn't think people read them nearly oh. as much uh, based on our, our traffic oh. numbers. Um, but but also, yeah, like even the stories that I did that were much more like where you had to think about it and, and, and report on it, it's still like it, it would come back to LeBron. Like yeah. how is Isaiah going to fit with LeBron? That right. Kind of, and, and you're right, Chris. I mean, that when LeBron is there – it's it it just it sucks the ener- it sucks the air out of some of this other stuff. Like when you're at shoot around now, because that that is when LeBron does his pregame availability, and mm-hmm. as he's gotten older, he speaks at practice much less. So as a beat reporter, you're going to have to make a conscious decision to actually miss what he's saying. Um, if you are going to chase some of these other things dur- dur- during the day and, and you just can't, I mean, I, I just, I don't think you could, you could do that. Um, and so that's how it played out for us, especially as the, as the, uh, the last two years kind of wore on is it just LeBron is there and kind of, kind of takes up most of your time. Do you Let me ask you guys this. Is LeBron going to like us? <laughs> <laughs> Well, LeBron appreciates um, Le- LeBron. LeBron appreciates like the people who show up every day. Yep. 
Um, he he recognizes faces really well. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and he just he kind of views that like he views attendance and participation in discussions as um, you know probably the the best way a writer can show a work ethic, which is what what he does. And, and as you guys know, just from you know kind of observing yeah. observing from afar that that LeBron grew to trust those of us who did that here. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there, I think that there's a, a chance for a, a very similar dynamic to what we had in Cleveland. I mean, many of you, one of you is actually the same guy that we had here, uh, you know, with McMenamin, uh, heading out West to join you guys. Um, but you're all very similar ages to what we were. And, and, um, you know, and I, I think you'll yeah. be the same. Yeah, and what I think is, and I'm like half kidding when I ask that, but I like I guess, and you know, to me, this is what I'm. I think ultimately, and this is sort of I think what I'm most interested in, right? Is is this going to be like the is the LeBron James that plays for the Lakers this season? Is it going to be an extension of the person that he's been in Cleveland the last you know three years? Is this going to be an extension of the person he was? you know, before, or is this going to be a totally new different chapter of his life? Because this just felt like such a wild departure in a lot of ways. Um, like, is this going to be, you know, are the things that he was interested in accomplishing in Cleveland, the exact same things he's interested in accomplishing in Los Angeles. And I think to me, that's the most important question that I'm looking forward to answering in I, the next 12 months. I think he needs to, um, he needs to treat his teammates and his coaches uh, differently there than he did here. And I think he understands that. Mm -hmm. um, so the stuff we were talking about earlier about how LeBron's the one that's going to freak out when things don't go right. Um, mm -hmm. like, he needs to change that. I think LeBron handles, handles is the wrong word. I think LeBron interacts uh, professionally with, with reporters and, and knows how and why it's important to build a rapport with them. Um, so I really don't suspect that you guys will have much of much of a problem, but I think you bring up a good point and a good question, Dan, which is LeBron does have to change some from how he was here because he is he is a lot older than these guys um, yeah. to the point where it's hard for them to relate to him. And so, yeah, he, he is going to have to be a little bit different. One, and it feels like, I mean, you know, at least in part, right, like part of the reason he's a Laker um, and part of the reason he's around this organization is, is to, you know, we talk about it being a two-year plan for a title. It seems like a 15-year plan for life, right? This does feel like a lifetime, like a different type of thing. You know, the opportunity to, to be around Magic Johnson and, and to learn not about Magic Johnson, the basketball player, but to learn about Magic Johnson, the businessman, you, you know, is, are, is he going to be the same level of focused? And I think, obviously – he's the greatest player in the world and he's going to play incredible basketball. But this, I mean, do we all agree that this decision at least feels like partly motivated by non-basketball factors and, and how will that impact, you know, when, when again, you're doing things differently than the way you've done them the rest of your life. And in, in other words, I think for me, like the way that I've phrased it the whole time, Dan and Tanya is that like Los Angeles always made the most sense. And I was saying Los Angeles from like, the beginning of last summer, basically, for his primary destination, because I felt like it was the best combination of the things that matter most to him, which is family and basketball. And he is not going to Los Angeles to lose. 
He is not. This is a guy who has so much self-belief that he has said, just get me in the playoffs, whether I'm the eight seed, the six seed, the one mm-hmm. seed, the three seed, whatever. It just doesn't matter because I'm going to lift everybody to heights that they've never reached on their own before. Um, so I, I think we look at it from afar as why would LeBron want to go to Los Angeles? It probably doesn't keep his championship window open immediately. He doesn't think failure first. He thinks that he is going to take the Los Angeles Lakers to the NBA finals. I truly believe that because that's just how he's wired. That would be something. Well, yeah. I mean, I just wonder if success here based on, you know, and I'm probably, I'm reading maybe too much into some of his other interests, but you know, it's like we've, you know, in the last weeks, and we've written about it in the, in the LA Times, Tom Holfarth, our, our media columnist, wrote something really interesting about kind of the differences between like LeBron and Kobe and, and the way that they are, you know, working in Hollywood and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is success measured differently? Like, is it not just basketball anymore? Like, you know, he has this production company that has all of these shows in development, um, he's going to be able to be much more hands-on with that if that's what he's interested in. And if that's what he wants to do, it seems like it's something he's interested in. Um, you, you know, and that's, and obviously these opportunities existed in Cleveland too. Sure. I mean, he wasn't playing in Siberia or anything like that, <laughs> but when you're, when you're here and, and when you're in, in the middle of it, I, that's, I think what I wonder is sort of, you know, like this is somebody who's, driven to amazing amounts of success and is someone who thrives on being successful um, in part by going to a place like, yeah, where I'm sure he believes he can get this team to the finals and win a title, but where, you know, I mean, if you wanted, there are easier paths to, to an NBA title, like, you know what I mean? Signing in Boston, for instance, you know what I mean? Would have been or Philadelphia. It seems to me is a more direct route to, to, if that's what he's looking for, you know, you mentioned family and obviously, Tanya and I both live out here. We both love it. Um, it's a great, it's a great place to live, and um, I imagine that LeBron wouldn't be caught dead in either of our neighborhoods. He's going to be somewhere much, much nicer. Uh, but, but you know, I, I <laughs> um, yeah, Tanya's got that LeBron. She's going to be a neighbor, maybe. Um, you know, I, I think though, like how much of that is going to be measured by the stuff that he's doing. Um, it's Spring Hill Entertainment, right? Is that what it's called? Yep. Or I meant that. Yeah. You, you know, how, like, how much of that is going to be something that he's interested in? And does, does success now mean something else? Is he redefining success for himself at this stage of his life? Uh, I, well, it, I, it'll be good to watch that unfold. I mean, he, he knows that for every second that it looks like he's paying attention to that instead of, winning um that it's a bad look and so that he will my my guess is they will go to great lengths to um make it seem like uh maverick is maverick carter his business partner is running that show um while he's doing what needs to be done uh on the court but there's no doubt about it um that that lebron seems very comfortable in la not just as a Laker, but in the Los Angeles, you know, stratosphere. Like as a mogul, right? This was yeah. a mogul play. That's right. Um, and, and he put himself in, in position to, to do that. And, uh, you know, we, um, you know, we, we look forward very much uh, to reading uh, the next chapter in LeBron's life and career, which is going to be written uh, by, by you two. And so, uh, Chris and I very, very much want to wish you guys the best of luck. Um, you know, we'll 
I'm sure we'll see you guys from time to time and all that, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on and this is, this went exactly how we wanted it to. We just wanted to kind of talk about um, LeBron from, you know, beginning to, to kind of tilt towards that Laker perspective and the people who are going to be giving voice to what LeBron does over the next three or four years, kind of how you're looking at it and how you approach it. And um, we both know uh, that, that you guys are going to do a great job. So thank you once again for, for coming on and, and joining us here on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. No problem. Thanks for having us. And enjoy yeah, thank it. You very much. It'll be fun. All right, folks. Well, thanks, uh, as always, for tuning in. You can read Chris and I, which we demand that you still do, uh, at cleveland.com. And uh, I I would tell you where you can find this podcast. But, of course, if you're listening, then you have already found it. So uh, for Chris Fedord and our guests, Dan Wojcicki and Tiny Ganguly, this is Joe Varden, and you've been listening to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast.